like to welcome you to the first day of our seminar on Shimad Bhagavatam at a glance. There are 12 cantos. Today we will do an overview of the first six cantos. Yes, we do need a microphone. That's a good idea. Yes, yes, please. Yeah. So today will be the first six cantos of Shimad Bhagavatam. And on Wednesday will be the second six cantos of Shrimad Bhagavatam. And it's based on this book here, Shrimad Bhagavatam at a glance. If you want, you can get a copy after the class. Um, so here we see the form of the Bhagavatam is Krishna. And all these lotus flowers are cantos. Here's canto one and two. They are Krishna's lotus feet. And you see the little petals here. These are each, each one of these is a section of the Bhagavatam. And we'll go through the, all the cantos and the sections of the cantos in our overview. Canto three and four are his legs. Canto five is his waist. Canto six is his chest. Seven and eight are his arms. And canto nine is his neck. Canto 10 is his smiling face. Canto 11 is his forehead. And Canto 12 is his full head. So, and this also is a poster in the book, which comes with the book. Three, three posters will come here. One is the form of the Bhagavatam with all the cantos. So you get the whole picture of the Bhagavatam in one photograph here. You have to pull all the sections, all the cantos, everything is there. And then we have another poster when the tenth canto is too big to fit in the book. And so here we have the Bajalila pastimes, 40 chapters. These all come inside the book also. And then we have the Matura. Matura Lila also. Matura and Dwarka Lila. Hmm. Here we go. It's up here. Also there. So Bhagavatam, actually Srila Prabhupada says that it takes at least seven months to understand one verse. So it will take you a long time. If you really want to understand Srimad Bhagavatam, it will take you forever. It will take you many lifetimes, actually. We, in our class, we only study one verse a day. So, but here we're going to do all the cantos in two classes. So it's, it's hard to follow. If you do one verse a day, it's hard to see the flow. So today we're going to see what is the flow of the Bhagavatam. Again, it is all based on this book, Bhagavatam at a Glance. All the cantos are here and also explanations of the cantos. So here we are, we're at Krishna's Lotus Feet here, and we're going to move up. Uh, uh, actually, Srila Prabhupada said that if you chant one chapter of Bhagavatam every day for one year, then you'll become a great scholar of Bhagavatam. I did it. I chanted one chapter a day for more than a year. And then I started teaching Bhakti Vaibhav and Bhakti. It works, actually. It works if you say a chapter a day. And it doesn't even have to be a whole chapter. I was just saying prayers from the chapters. 
So um, here we have uh, the history. Krishna is here in the first canto and the second canto, more of the history, the seed verses of Bhagavatam. Then canto three is about the creation, and canto four is about Vaishnavas and even Vaishnava Aparad. Uh, be careful of that. Canto five and six, the, we have devotees falling down. Devotees are falling down, uh, and Krishna is protecting the devotees. Here, canto seven is Prahlad Nishinga. Canto eight, the demigods and demons up in the heavenly planets fighting. We go up to the heavenly planets in canto eight. Canto nine is the different, the sun dynasty and moon dynasty. Canto 10, we go out of this world to the spiritual world, uh, Goloka Vrindavan. <coughs> Canto 11, we have Uddhava Gita, uh, just like Bhagavad Gita, but it was spoken to Uddhava. And Canto 12 will be the end uh, Kali Yuga right now. So let's go to Canto 1 now. There's four sections here. Narada and Vyasa is the first section. Krishna and Hastinapur and Dwarka. Pariksha born, the Pandavas renounce, and the last section is about Pariksha. So Narada and Vyasa, here we have the uh, Mangalacharam, the introduction, verses to Srimad Bhagavatam. And what we find here in the second verse, uh, in the first chapter, the second verse, there is a connection between Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita. So what is that connection? At the end of Bhagavad Gita, it says, Krishna says, surrender to me. Give up all varieties of religion, surrender to me. In the second verse of Bhagavatam, it says, we kick out, Bhagavatam kicks out all cheating forms of religion. So it starts where Gita leaves off. And um, we are going to learn some lessons here, also in the second verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, first chapter. The first lesson we're going to learn is that the quali what is the qualification to hear Bhagavatam? And that is to be non-envious and to hear submissively and attentively. So I'm, at the end of each picture, I'm going to ask you what lessons you learned. So remember these lessons uh, that you learned from these cantos. First lesson is the qualification for hearing. Um, so. As we move on into this first canto, the third chapter, there is a very, very important verse, the third chapter, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. And that's the second lesson. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, I'm going to read chapter, no, I'm not going to read chapter three. I'll read chapter four. Here we have chapter four, Vyasadeva, is sitting in his ashram. He, he's written the Vedas, he's written the Puranas, he's written Mahabharata, but he's not happy. He's written Vedanta. He's, he's unsatisfied. And so I'll read chapter 4 here. In the beginning of Kali Yuga, Vyasadeva foresaw the world's dark future. Thus, he recorded the Vedas and Upanishads. Then he himself wrote Mahabharata and Vedanta Sutra. Despite his great literary achievements, however, he remained dissatisfied. And Narada in chapter 5 will tell him why. Why, why are you not satisfied after writing all the Vedas and Vedanta? Because you have not glorified Krishna enough. 
So this is a big theme here in the first canto, that uh, wherever is Krishna is there, everything is auspicious. If Krishna is absent, everything is inauspicious, and you will not be happy. So here we go, now we're moving into the second, so that's the third lesson that we learn here, and it will, we'll repeat here again in the first canto. Now we're in the chapter seven. Uh, Krishna has appeared now, and he's driving Arjuna's chariot. Here is the second connection of Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita. Beginning of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is driving Arjuna's chariot. It's the beginning of Bhagavad Gita. It's the beginning of the battle of Kurukshetra. Now it's the end of the battle of Kurukshetra. So here's another connection between Gita and Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam picks up at the end of the battle, and Krishna is entering here in Bhagavatam driving Arjuna's chariot. Chapter 8, Kunti is praying to Krishna not to leave. And uh, here we have the same theme, the same lesson as in the first section. Same lesson. She says, if you leave, then everything will be inauspicious. Now our kingdom is beautiful because you are here. Your lotus feet are uh, giving your footprints on our kingdom and, and everything is beautiful. But if you leave, it will no longer be so. So those are Kunti's prayers. Bhishma is also praying, and his prayer is uh, answered, that he, he sees Krishna at the time of his leaving his body. So then, chapter 10, I'll read chapter 10. Krishna is leaving Hastinapur, where, where the Pandavas live. As Krishna leaves Hastinapur, the ladies cry, and all the residents, especially the Pandavas, lament in separation from him, their only shelter. But now everybody's happy here in chapter 11 because he's going back to Dwaraka, his hometown. So everybody's really happy. And again, we're going to find out when Krishna leaves, everything becomes inauspicious. So this is the chapter we're reading right now in the morning Bhagavatam class. All these inauspicious omens are coming because Krishna has left the planet. And very soon after, the Pandavas will also leave. Arjuna, he has lost his power, but he remembers Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. He remembers instructions, and then he becomes satisfied. So here, so that's the next lesson. If you're feeling separation from Krishna, remember his instructions in Bhagavad Gita. Now the last part, Pariksha is meeting Kali, but then he's cursed by Samika Rishi's son to die in seven days. So Shukadeva Goswami comes, he asks the question, what is the duty of a person about to die? So that ends the first canto. What lessons did you learn from this canto? Anybody remember a lesson? Yeah. With Krishna everything is auspicious. And without Krishna everything, everything is auspicious. Good. Good lesson. Any other lessons in the first canto? Yes. Um, if we're feeling separation from Krishna, mm. just remember his instructions in the Gita. Good. If we're feeling separation from Krishna, remember his instructions in Bhagavad Gita. And that will make you peaceful in your heart. Any other lessons from 
Yes. Be not envious and listen attentively. Listen attentively and non, be not envious. If you want to understand Bhagavatam, these are the qualifications. Good. You remembered any more lessons? Shrimad Bhagavatam uh, takes place after Bhagavad Gita. Yes, yes. It's the connection. It's, uh, and that's why first we read Gita, then we read Bhagavatam. And then there, that's the connection. It takes place after the battle of Krikshetra. Good connection. Okay, we're going to go to Canto 2. There's three sections here. Yoga processes. So these um, three, there's three, there's Brahman here in the first canto. The Gyanis, the impersonalists. Uh, this, this, this chapter 1 is mercy for them because it shows how they can see Krishna in the universal form. And chapter 2 is mercy for the yogis. It's showing how to see, meditate on Paramatma, the Lord in the heart. And chapter 3 is mercy for the devotees. I'll read chapter 3. Shukadev describes the path of worshipping demigods and recommends everyone worship Lord Krishna, whether he be full of desires or desireless. So this is one first lesson here in this um, first section here. Uh, whether you're full of desires or you're free of desires, just worship Krishna. So that's another, another lesson is that if you want to be fearless at the time of death, then always chant and hear about Krishna. And you, this is uh, the answer, the first answer that Shukadev gives to Krishna's question. Now the middle section here, we have universal form, universal form, and uh, before Shukadeva speaks Bhagavatam, he prays for empowerment. So we should pray, we should always pray. Before we speak, before we preach, we should pray for empowerment from the Lord. We should pray. And this is the, uh, another lesson we learn here from the second canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, that pray before you do anything. Pray for empowerment. Then here the creation is described in chapter 5. And the beginning of creation, there is Brahma and creation and uh, creative impetus. Then in the middle there's Vishnu maintaining and at the end there's Shiva with the atheist full of anger and destroying the universe. Here we have the incarnations described in chapter 7. Then the third section here is called creation. And here in chapter 9 we have the four three verses of Srimad Bhagavatam, which explain Sambandha, relationship with Krishna, Abhideya, or the process of devotional service and Prayojan, or the goal of life, love of Godhead. In chapter 10, we have the 10 topics of Srimad Bhagavatam, and we'll have a special picture for that in the next picture. But before we go there, what lessons did you learn here in this second canto? Yes? We should always pray for empowerment. Always pray for empowerment. Same one. Always pray, yeah? Whether a devotee has desires or is desireless, he should worship. Yeah, if you're full of desires or desireless, he should worship Krishna. Yes. 
important. Yeah. Krishna gives mercy to the jnanis, the yogis, and the devotees. Oh, he gives mercy to the jnanis, the yogis, and the devotees. Very good. Giving them different ways to connect with him. Yes. For the jnanis, meditation on the universal form. For the yogis, paramatma. And for the devotees, the deities, and doing devotional service. Good. Good. Okay, we'll go to... Now this is the ten topics of Srimad Bhagavatam. Sarga, creation. Visarga, the sub-creation of Brahma. Stana, maintaining the planetary systems. For Poshana, protection of devotees. Here we have Vijendra. We'll hear about in Canto 8. Uti, the creative impetus of karma. That's what causes people to work and do anything in this world. Manmantara, the reigns of the manas. Ish Anukata, science of God. Nirodha, annihilation. Mukti, liberation. And Ashai, Simambodham, or Krishna. So all these nine are depending on Krishna. He is the, uh, supporting all of the other nine topics. And it's the same, the first nine cantos are all supported by the tenth canto, by Krishna. So here we go next to Canto 3. And Krishna Lila, Krishna comes back here. How does Krishna come back? Well, Vidura starts with Vidura being kicked out of the palace of uh, Hastinapur. Um, Duryodhana is calling him bad names and kicked him out of the palace. Uh, as a devotee, he didn't think any bad thing about it. He thought, okay. Finish with politics. No more politics. Now I can just devote myself to devotional service. So he was happy about that. So now we go to uh, Krishna Lila. This is Braj Lila. This is a very important verse glorifying Krishna, how merciful he was to Putana. Even though she came to kill him, he gave her liberation, position of a mother. Now, chapter 3, this is Dwarka Leela, Krishna kidnapping Rumini, and here is chapter 4. And we see Krishna who is ready to leave this world. I'll read chapter 4. After Krishna leaves Dwarka, Uddhava follows him. He sees Krishna sitting beneath the banyan tree preparing to leave this world. The Lord instructs Uddhava and Maitreya in transcendental knowledge. Krishna sends Uddhava to Bhadavikasham with a message and asks him to preach to the devotees there. So now there is a lesson here. Here we have Vidura, not Vidura, Uddhava and Maitreya. And Krishna is about ready to leave. Actually, Uddhava was sent by Krishna to Bhadavikasham but instead of going there, he came back and went to see Krishna again. He couldn't leave him. And Krishna was preparing to leave this world. So one lesson we can learn from Uddhava, which Siddha Prabhupada gives us in the purport, is that unless you are feeling the separation of the Lord, you cannot understand Srimad Bhagavatam, the four essential verses of Srimad Bhagavatam. So you must feel separation from Krishna. First lesson. Now, second lesson comes in chapter five, where it's where the creation is described. 
the creation of Vishnu, how all the planets come from his body and all the universes come, not the planets, the universes. And why, why is there creation? This is, the first, this is the lesson we learn here. The purpose of creation, the cause of creation, is the compassion of the Lord. He saw us all sleeping here and suffering. And he wanted us to wake up and join him in, with, enjoying with him in the spiritual world. So that is the purpose of creation, compassion of the Lord, the cause of creation. So then we have the universal form, more questions. And then here we have the sub-creation of Brahma. Brahma is born, everything is dark. There's huge waves and his, he's on top of a lotus. He can't see anything. So he tries to find out the source of his lotus. He, he climbs down and he hears the words tapa, which means austerity. He climbs back up and starts meditating on the Supreme Lord by chanting Gayatri Mantra. And uh, then he, he, he gets the darshan of the Lord after chanting. And then he offers beautiful prayers. So I'll read chapter 9. Brahma surrendered to the Lord and prayed for the power to create the universe as it was before. The Lord assured Brahma, don't worry, all knowledge will be revealed to you from within your heart. Now one very beautiful prayer, which is a lesson for us how to pray, that Brahma said, Brahma prayed for protection from fall down. For due to two things, two, two things he was worried about, about falling down. Falling down means to go away from devotional service. So the first thing he was afraid of was fall down due to pride. He was afraid that he would become proud because he had a lot to be proud of. He's the creator of the universe. So he thought, yes, I, I can't fall down. So please protect me from fall down due to pride. And the second fear of Brahma was fall down due to deviation. He thought, oh, I can be deviated from devotional service. I can, I, maybe I will follow the wrong path. Uh, I will hear somebody say something else and I will leave Krishna. So he was, that was his second fear. He was praying for protection from fall down due to pride and due to deviation. So that's uh, another lesson we learn here in this um, Canto 3, part 1. So here in, ch in chapter 10, he starts creating all the planets and puts them in their places. Chapter 11 is time, time. Chapter 12, oh, somebody's, <laughs> thank you. So chapter 12 is the birth of Lord Shiva. Birth of Lord Shiva here. <laughs> okay. Yes, it's better not to have deviation here. <laughs> it will take our attention away from Shimai Bhagavatam. So chapter 12 is the birth, you know, the first, the four Kumaras were born and 
And Brahma said, okay, I want you to have children. And they said, no, no, we're going to be brahmacharis. And so Brahma got angry and he couldn't control it. And out from his eyebrows came Lord Shiva. And Lord Shiva came. That was the birth of Lord Shiva. So now we go to the last section of this third canto part one, and that is the appearance of Varaha Dev. Um, Lord Brahma created the earth planet, he created Bhumandala, but it fell down into the lower regions. Or perhaps it was taken by Hiranyaksha. Here we have the conception of Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha in auspicious hour of the day. They were cursed, two demigods, not demigods, two servants in the spiritual world were cursed by the four Kumaras and they took birth as Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha. So here is Hiranyaksha challenging Varuna and there is Varaha coming to the rescue. I'll read chapter 18. Before fighting with Hiranyaksha, Lord Varaha rescued the earth from the depths of the ocean. So here's the earth planet being rescued by Varaha. And here he's fighting with and he will kill Hiranyaksha. So one lesson, Varaha Rupa is the form of a hog. The Lord appears as the form of a hog. And there is a lesson we can learn from, from this form of the Lord. And what is that lesson we learn from the uh, form of Varaha? Uh, that any form of the Lord is transcendental. Even if he takes the form of a pig, that form is still transcendental. It's not material form. So that's the thing we learned from Varaha. So we won't be surprised when Krishna uh, comes, he appears, and he lifts up Govardhan Hill. Here Varaha is lifting up the whole earth. And Krishna is going to lift up Govardhan Hill because all the incarnations are inside Krishna. When Krishna comes, even Varaha is there, Shinga is there, all the incarnations. Okay, so what lessons did we learn from this, cant uh, this chapter, Canto 3, part 1? Uh, Vidura learned that even if you have, or you're being insulted by someone else, another devotee or a non-devotee, you shouldn't take it with... You should take it with stride. You shouldn't. Yeah, uh, take it as the mercy of the Lord. Good. Pray not to fall down or be deviated. Pray, yeah, pray not to fall down due to deviation or pride. Good. That's how we should pray. And what else did we learn in this? Purpose of creation is the Lord's compassion. Good. Good. Yeah. I think that was, oh, oh yeah, something else. Um, all the Lord's forms are transcendental. All Lord's forms are transcendental, even if he comes in the form of a pig. Good. Yes, you are learning. Okay, this is Canto 3, part 2. The Kardama and Devahuti, and Kapila and Devahuti. So in case you don't know who is Devahuti, she is the daughter of Swayambhuva Manu, the first Manu. So we're going to hear about all of Manu's children today. 
he had three daughters, Akuti, Prasuti, Devahuti, and two sons, Uttanapad and Priyavrata. So now we are hearing about Devahuti. And the first part is with her husband, Kardama, and the second part is with her son, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Kapilde, incarnation of Krishna. Jai. Gornitai Jai Mukmini Dwarkadish and Jai Jagannath So Kardama, before we hear about Kardama, there's a review of creation here, of Lord Brahma's creation. Apsaras, so many beautiful creatures are created and so many ugly creatures are also created. And then we hear about Kardama, who is one of the create what is the prajapadis or progenitors of the living entities. So he is praying to the Lord for his help in his devotional service. Now, if you're going to create living entities, then you need a wife. So he's praying for a wife, even though he's one of the top people in the universe. Uh, and so he gets a wife here. Uh, Manu brings his daughter Devahuti to Kardama Muni. And when they meet together, Manu and Kardama, they, Manu is a sage, a brahmana, and, uh, sorry, Kardama is a sage, a brahmana, and Manu is king, Shakya. And they glorify each other, they appreciate each other. So what we learn from this is that the Varnashram system is a culture of respect, because everybody is worshiping Krishna. So we have a common platform, even though we, our duties may be different, but our mentality is the same. We both are. So lesson we learn, Varnashram is a culture of respect, and it's based on pleasing Krishna. We want to please Krishna. So therefore, we, that's the purpose of Varnashram. And that, that is the example given by Kardama, Muni, and Manu, uh, how to please Krishna by doing our different duties. So Devahuti goes home. Uh, now she was a very wealthy princess. She leaves all her rich clothes and she becomes a simple maidservant of Kardama. She loses her health, but then her husband has all these mystic powers, so he sends her off to have a bath in a special lake and she gets her health back and her beauty. And he makes a beautiful flying uh, city for her to live in as a castle. Castle, but it's not just, I mean, it's not like our airplanes of today, where you're so uncomfortable and you sit in these little seats. It's got a parks, it's got lakes, it's got gardens, and, and, and a beautiful palace where you, you know, with so many bedrooms, uncountable rooms, and she's living in this and, and he created this all by his mystic powers. So they travel around, and this, and this city can fly not only to different countries, it can fly to different planets. So they go sightseeing all over the universe and enjoy in this beautiful 
flying city. So then, um, but afterwards, he gives her nine daughters, and then he gives her one son, Kapila, and as soon as the son is born, he takes sannyas and he leaves home. So Devahuti is left with Kapila Dev, her son, but he's not an ordinary son. He is an incarnation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he is going to enlighten her. She, she prays to him, you know, now please uh, protect me. I'm so afraid of this material world. I, I cannot control my senses and, and I'm afraid of this. So he said, so Kapila Dev instructs her in devotional service. So again, we learn here the theme from chapter one, without Krishna, there can be no happiness in this world, nor no auspiciousness. So he, he, he teaches her how to do devotional service to Krishna. Welcome everybody who just came and we're in the teachings of Kapila Dev <laughs> in the third canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. So here we have the different chapters. I'll read chapter 25. When Devahuti requests Kapila to deliver her from her great fear of material existence, Kapila explains Sankhya Yoga, which begins by transferring one's attachments from matter to association of pure devotees. One can quickly advance in the path from Shada to Prema by attentively hearing and discussing the Lord's activities. Devoutly thinking of the Lord's names, his charming form, his qualities and pastimes, one achieves his association in this life. So here we have the creation again in chapter 26, Vishnu is glancing at Maya Devi and impregnating her with the living entity, that's us. Uh, yes, we came from Vishnu originally. And we came into this material world by his glance. But it wasn't, it wasn't that he wanted us to be here, but we wanted to be here. And so he helps us along. Here is devotional service in chapter 27. 28 is the yogi, the mystic yogi. Uh, in the Ashtanga yoga process, the yogi meditates in the form of the Lord in his heart, beginning with the Lord's lotus feet. Lord Vishnu's feet shatter the mountain of sin within the heart. So there are some marks on the lotus seat of Krishna. If you were to look underneath his feet, there are certain marks. And one of the marks is the thunderbolt. The thunderbolt shatters the mountain of sin in the heart of the meditating devotee. So if we meditate on Krishna, we meditate on lotus feet, then the mountain of sin in our heart will be destroyed. Chapter 29 is about devotional service in the modes, in the three modes. We'll hear more about that. Now, you can do devotional service in the modes of nature. Did you know that? And you can find out how in chapter 29. I will read the verses to you in Canto 4 um, because there will be some, something that connects Canto 3 and 4 there. This, this chapter connects. Chapter 30 is what happens to the non-devotees after death, go to Yamaraj. And here, again, birth in the womb, the child is in the womb, he's praying for release from his sufferings in the womb. Chapter 32 is about sacrifice 
Karmakanda, and chapter 33 is about um, the best sacrifice, how you know Sankirtan. So after Devahuti has heard this whole philosophy, very complicated, about Sankhya Yoga, then what is her conclusion? Her conclusion is that actually only by chanting the holy name can we get release from all our miseries. And one who is chanting the holy name is the most glorious and, and is worshipable and has done all sacrifices in previous lives just by chanting the holy name. So that's the lesson here in this third canto. Just by chanting Hare Krishna, you perform all sacrifice, all pilgrimage, all austerity, all charity. Everything is done just by chanting Hare Krishna. And you know all the complicated philosophies too. It's the essence of all philosophy, chanting the holy name. Okay, so that's one lesson we learned. What's another lesson we learned from this third canto, part two? Mm -hmm. The basis of performing devotional service to Krishna and worshiping Krishna, everyone is able to glorify one another for their constitutional position. Of Good. Everyone is able to glorify one another for their contribution. Without Krishna, there would be no happiness. Without Krishna, there is no happiness. Yes. We should respect each other and worship Krishna all the time. We should respect each other at the same time worship Krishna. If we meditate on the lotus feet of Krishna, mm -hmm. it can shatter the mountain of sin. Good. If we meditate on the lotus feet of Krishna, it will shatter the mountain of sin in our hearts. Good. Good. Nice. So you have learned the lessons here. And what was the last lesson of all? Chant Harinam Sankirtan is the best sacrifice and the best knowledge. Okay, now we're going to start Canto 4 here. And there's a connection here. There's four devotees here in this canto. And these four devotees are in the four modes of material, three modes of nature, and one is transcendental. So I'm going to read to you the description of the devotional service in the modes of nature. And I'm going to tell you the four names, and you tell me which name goes with which mode. The four names are Daksha, Dhruva, Prithu, and Lord Shiva. So which one is in goodness, which one is in passion, which one is in ignorance? I'll read the description for you, and you tell me. So devotional service executed by a person who is envious, proud, violent, and angry, who is a separatist, is considered to be in the mode of ignorance. Now, who could that be? Daksha. Daksha, yes, Daksha. He is doing devotional service in the mode of ignorance. Now, the worship of deities in the temple by a separatist with a motive for material enjoyment, fame, opulence, is devotion in the mode of passion. Who is that? Nope. No. No. Juva. Juva. He's the only one left. Juva Maharaj, because he wanted a kingdom greater than his father. He was angry. He was. He was a separatist. He left it. He left his kingdom. He went to the forest, and he won. And he wanted. 
something material. He was going, I mean, it didn't happen. I mean, it happened, it did happen. He got what he wanted. But, uh, yes. Okay, here is, listen to this one. Um, when a devotee worships the Supreme Personality of Godhead and offers the results of his activities in order to free himself from fruit of, from the results of fruit of activities, his devotion is in the mode of goodness. That's preaching. In transcendental, unadulterated devotional service is shown when one's mind is at once attracted to hearing the transcendental name and qualities of the Lord. Just as the water of the Ganga flows naturally down towards the ocean, such devotional ecstasy, uninterrupted by any material condition, flows towards the Supreme Lord. Lord Shiva, yes, yes. He will teach the Prachetas how to sing the names of the Lord. So here we start with Daksha. Well, we start with the creation, uh, uh, many, many, uh, Prasuti, the wife of Daksha, has many, many children. Narayana, Rishi are born in her, in her, in that, from her daughter, one of her daughters. Akuti also is, is there, and her son Yagya. But here we have the sacrifice of Daksha, he's insulting Lord Shiva. Sati wants to go, Lord Shiva says, don't go. She goes and she burns herself up because of her up being so upset with her father. And her father is killed by Lord Shiva. Then the demigods pacify Lord Shiva. And Lord Vishnu appears finally in the sacrifice. So lesson to learn here, two lessons from Daksha. Don't do offenses to devotees. Do not commit Vaishnava Aparam. Do not offend devotees. Be very, very careful that you don't make offense. Second, and the second lesson we learned is don't judge from appearances. Daksha was, had a big, big position in the universe. He was a prajapati. He was a creator, Daksha. And Lord Shiva, he looked like, you know, a, a beggar. He was living in a crematorium. He had smeared with ashes. But who is the pure devotee? It was Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva was the pure devotee. Daksha, who had the big position in the universe, he was in the mode of devotional service in the mode of ignorance. And so uh, don't judge by appearances. You don't know who is a pure devotee here. It could be anyone in our movement. It may not be someone who has a big position. It may be a very humble devotee who, who is seeing the Lord in the heart. You don't know. Maybe when somebody going out on Harinam and distributing books who's, who is meeting with Super Soul every day on the street. Don't know. Who is a pure devotee? So that's the lessons we learned from Daksha. Now, Jukha Maharaj. He was insulted, he left the kingdom. I'll read chapter eight, or fourth canto. Young Juva, insulted by his stepmother, leaves his palace for the forest to search out Lord Vishnu. Desiring a kingdom greater than that of his father, he does austerities to please the Lord. For the first month, he eats fruits and berries every third day. He gradually perfects the pranayam process and closes all the holes of his body. So here he is eating dried leaves. 
And then finally he holds his breath and the whole universe suffocates because he's made himself one with the universe. So then Lord Narayan pacifies the demigods, don't worry, I, I will come and pacify him and satisfy him. So, but once Dhruva sees Lord Vishnu, he says, I don't want the kingdom, now I have you. But the Lord said, no, no, I know what you want and now you have to enjoy the kingdom. So the lesson is, uh, don't pray for material things. Um, they will come. They will come to you automatically. Material things will come. But we should not worry about it. We should not. Of course, you can pray. That, that's, that we learned that in Canto 2, that even if you're full of desires, you should worship Lord Krishna. So Jupa was full of desires. And he worshipped Krishna and he got not only fulfillment of his desires, but he got a spiritual planet, and he went back to Godhead too. So that, you know, Krishna will take care of everything. He'll take care of you completely if you worship him. That's another lesson we learned from Juva. So many lessons from Juva. Another lesson we learned from Juva is determination. Don't give up. Don't give up if you're not successful. Keep on worshiping Krishna no matter what happens. So here's Yuva in chapter 10, he's fighting with the Yakshas, and the end of the chapter, he's bewildered by the Yakshas and their mystic powers. And then the sages say, just chant the holy name and it will protect you from death. So then he chants the holy name and all the illusions disappear. So we're in the fourth canto for the latecomers. Uh, we're in the beginning of fourth canto, halfway through today's class. Manu stops him from killing all the yakshas. Finally, he goes back to Godhead, and he looks back for his mother, and his mother's also going back to Godhead, because his mother is the one who said, who sent him out to worship Lord Vishnu. So we learned some lessons here in this canto. What lessons did we learn here? Uh, in this uh, first picture here. Yes? Don't offend Vaishnavas. Don't offend Vaishnavas. We learned that from the Daksha sacrifice. Any other lesson? Don't judge by appearance. Don't judge a devotee by appearance. Yes. Daksha had a big position. But Lord Shiva was the pure devotee who was sitting under a tree with nothing. Lord Shiva was the actual pure devotee. Not, and he didn't have a good position, like Daksha. Worshipping the Lord to free yourself of the miseries of the material world, of the material world, is in the mode of goodness. Okay, okay. Now you learned about devotional service in the mode of goodness. Uh, you do your duty and you give the results to Krishna. And to purify yourself from the, the miseries of this world, yes. Purification. Mm -hmm. It's possible that Devotional service is performed in the three modes of nature. Yes, devotional service is performed in the three modes of nature. There's a, that's chapter 29 of Canto 3. And Canto 4, it comes to life and we see how Daksha's in the devotional service in the mode of ignorance. And Dhruva's in the mode of passion. And Prithu is in the mode of goodness. And Lord Shiva is transcendental. Yes, there's devotional service in the modes. It's interesting. So be careful. <laughs> Try to do devotional service and goodness. That's the best.
or transcendental. That would be even better. Okay, any other lessons from uh, this picture here? Don't give up. Determination of Dhruva Maharaj. He was determined uh, to worship Vish, to worship the Lord. He didn't give up. He really uh, tried hard. Yes? Be careful of what you desire. Be careful of? What you wish for. I can't what, hear. What we wish for. Be careful what you wish for. Yes. Yes? Chant the holy names of the Lord in any situation. Chant the holy names in any situation. Good. Good. That's the lesson for every canto. <laughs> you see the chanting of the holy name coming in every every canto. It's a it's a recurrent theme of Shrimad Bhagavatam. We chant the holy name. Okay. We'll move on to canto for part two, King Prithu. So Prithu he didn't come all at once. First was his his father Vena who stopped all sacrifices and the Brahmins killed him just by chanting a mantra. Um, I, we don't want to chant that mantra uh, because well, we don't have the power to chant it anyway. We chant Hare Krishna. And that takes care of everything. We don't have to worry about these things. But from the dead body of Veda came Archa and Pritu. Pritu and his wife Archa. So then they became king. He, when he became king, he saw the earth wasn't producing, got angry, and then he melted the earth and made everybody different calves all over the universe. Then he was doing a hundred horse sacrifices. Indra got envious and stole his horse from the sacrifice number hundred. But then Vishnu came and said, don't, don't do so many, just do, be satisfied with 99. Then even though these two devotees were fighting, Prithu and Indra, they, at AM they embraced each other and made up. So here, Prithu is instructing his citizens in devotional service. He's, he said, do your, do your Varnashram duties out of love for me. Now, who, who cares about the president of the country and uh, who's going to love him and do anything out of love for him? But this is how it was in the past that they performed the Varnashram duties out of love. The, the citizens loved the king so much that they would do their duties just to please him. So that's what, and that's what he said, you do your duties to help me and also think of the Lord always in your heart. So Varnashram is based on love, actually. That's the lesson we learn here. And here he's worshiping the four Kumaras, they came and finally, he goes back to Godhead. Happy ending for Prithu and Dhruva. Daksha, not so happy. So now the Prachetas is the last section. Lord Shiva is actually instructing them in a beautiful song, glorifying the Lord. And he begs for pure devotional service and association of devotees. So that's the essential request that Lord Shiva is praying for. Meanwhile, while the, these are the sons, the king is back in the palace and Narada Muni is instructing him. And he's telling an analogy of Puranjan. He said this body is like a city of nine gates. And we're living in this city. And here the, the 
Maharaj Purinjan is going out hunting. Here he's fighting for his life at the end of uh, the body, time of death. And but when he dies, he thinks of his life, so his next life he becomes a woman. So that's the story of Paranjan and Nardamuni. While his sons are out doing austerities, Nardamuni is preaching to the king, Prachinavarhi, in his palace and telling him his story. So back to the Prachetas performing austerities, chapter 30. I'll read chapter 30. After performing austerities, the Prachetas leave the water and see the tall trees have overgone the earth. When the Prachetas become angry, fire emits from their mouths and burns the trees. So then they get instructions from Narada Muni, and then they marry the daughter of the trees, and they have a child. And who is that child? Daksha, his third birth. First birth is Daksha, second birth with the head of a goat, which was given to him by Lord Shiva. And the third birth was here again as Daksha. Okay, so what lessons did we learn from this picture here? Yes. The Varnashram system is based on love. Varnashram system is based on love. Very good, very good. Okay, any other lessons? Okay. Yeah, no more lessons. Canto 5, Part 1, Lord Mishabadev and Mahaj Bharat here. Um, now first we're going to hear about Priyavrata who is a, a son of Manu. He was not satisfied with darkness in the universe, so he made a chariot to follow behind the sun, and he made light when it was nighttime, so there was no night anymore. He, he made sure there was light all the time. That was his idea as governor of the universe. Here we have the appearance of Rishabdev, and he's teaching his sons. I'll read chapter. In Brahmavarta, Lord Rishabhadeva instructs his sons, human life is meant for performing austerities to achieve spiritual happiness. This one attains by serving Mahatmas, accepting a guru, curtailing sense gratification, and always engaging in devotional service. So, lesson here is that we should do devotional service to get spiritual happiness. So we're doing spiritual austerities to get spiritual happiness. And that's a lesson. He gives many lessons, but that's one lesson that Rishabdi gives to his sons. And so Tapodivyam, don't waste your time um, trying for happiness, but do austerity for spiritual happiness, eternal happiness. Okay, so now we go to Maharaj Bharat. We will learn some lessons from him. He left everything and went to the forest. Then he became attached to a deer. I'll read chapter 8. Bharati shows compassion to help his deer calf. He becomes attached to this animal and distracted from spiritual practices, sheltering the deer. He becomes bound to it with affection. Thus, at the time of death, he thinks of the deer 
and becomes a deer in his next life. So why did he fall down? Because lack of good association. He had bad association of the deer. He didn't have association of devotees. And but Krishna protected him because he remembered his past life. He, he let him remember his past life. So the lesson we should learn is to be very attentive in our spiritual life. Be very careful what we are doing, who we associate with. We should be very careful. Careful with who we associate with. So, lesson from Bharat Maharaj. And here he is in his third life as Jada Bharat. The Dakwites want to sacrifice him to Kali. Kali gets angry. She jumps from the altar and kills all the Dakwites and protects Jadabharat. So then he gives instructions to Maharaj Rahugana, the forest of material enjoyment. I'll read chapter 14. Shukadeva Goswami explains the direct meaning of the story of the forest of material enjoyment. A merchant entering the forest to acquire goods is like the greedy conditioned soul entering this world and chasing the objects of the senses. Like a deer chasing mirages in the desert, the conditioned soul pursues material existence despite disturbances in his life and considers this world to be permanent. So this is uh, teachings of Bharat Maharaj, uh, Jadabhan. Okay, so what lessons? What lessons do we learn here? And be yes. careful of association. Be careful of bad association. Be careful. Be attentive in your spiritual life. Don't fall down. Protect yourself from falling down. Any other lessons here in this picture? Perform yes. personal oh. service. Perform devotional service for spiritual happiness. For spiritual happiness, yes. Devotional service for spiritual happiness, good. Okay, yes? Don't chase illusions. Don't chase delusions. Sense objects of this world, don't chase them. We'll learn more about that tomorrow in Uddhava Gita. How to see the sense objects of this world, how we should see them. Not as objects, but as our Shiksha gurus. See them as our gurus. Okay. So, Canto 5, Part 2, we have prayers of the residents of Jambudweep and planetary system. So, here we have Chapter 17. This is the descent of the river Ganga. Ganges descends from the Kasa Ocean because it washed the lotus feet of Lord Ramanadeva and purified the mind of every living entity by its transcendental touch. So here we have, in this bottom part here, different incarnations in different parts of Jambudweep and different devotees are worshipping these incarnations. So who would, who would be worshipping Lord Nishinides, do you think? Prahlad Maharaj, yeah. He's in one of the Varshas. We're in Bharat Varsha, he's in another one. Now who is worshipping Pradumna? It's Lakshmi. Lakshmi is worshipping Pradumna. Matsya, Karma, Kapila. Okay, Varaha we should know who is worshipping Varaha. It is 
Bhumi Devi, the earth planet. Who is worshipping Ram and Lakshman? Haraman, good. So then they offer all their prayers here. And the second part is the planetary systems. Uh, Brahmalokam, here's the sun god going around Mount Miru. Here's all the planets, Venus, Jupiter, Mars, Saturn. Here's the Shishamara chakra. Here's the lower planets. Lower planets are not the hellish planets. These are heavenly, actually. They're called Bilaswarga, or heavenly planets, below the earth. And here's at the bottom, Lord Shiva is worshipping Sankarshan. But then here's the hellish planets. They're different from the lower planets. And here people are suffering very much. I'll read chapter 20, 26. Shukadev describes how sinful man goes to different hells for the assistance of Yamaraj punish him. Those who kill and cook animals and birds enter the hell known as Kumbhipaka, where agents of Yamaraj boil them in oil. So be careful. Don't go there. We're, we will not go there. We will see in the next chapter how the devotees are saved by chanting the holy name. Parikshit is worried about everyone. You know, how can we save the living entities who are going to hell? And first Shukadev says, oh, by atonement. Uh, you do something bad and you can do something, another material activity to counteract it. But Parikshit is smart. He says, he's a king. I've seen, I've, I've punished people. They still go back and do the same sinful activities. Toman doesn't work. So he said, okay, well, by jnana, but then the answer is no, not by jnana, just by knowledge, you cannot make advancement because knowledge is like um, material knowledge. You just, you, you, or even like Brahman, knowledge of Brahman, you cut off the plant, but the roots are still there. It's only by chanting Hare Krishna and doing devotional service can you cut off the roots of sinful desires from your heart. So here we have the story of Ajamila. He was pious in his youth. Then he became sinful, but at the time of death, he was chanting Narayana. And the Vishuddhas came to protect him from the Yamadudas. Yamadudas is saying, he's ours. Vishuddhas said, no, he chanted Narayana. So uh, Prabhupada, he stressed the importance of chanting the holy name. And again, here we have the glories of the holy name. And also wearing neck beads. Prabhupada insisted that we wear neck beads and tilak, and that will protect us from the Yamadutas as well. I'll read chapter 3. Yamaraj instructs his messengers not to approach the pure devotees of the Lord who have fully surrendered to the Lord's lotus feet. So, oops, <laughs> here we go. So chant Hare Krishna. That's the lesson here. Always chant Hare Krishna. Be protected from the Yamadudas. So here's Daksha. He got his uh, third body. He's doing austerities. And then he has 10,000 sons. They all become sannyasis. Narada Muni takes them away. Then he has another 1,000 sons. Narada Muni takes them away. And what happens here? Chapter 5, Narada Muni preaches to all of Daksha's sons to leave home and take sannyas. Daksha becomes angry and curses him 
to be unable to stay anywhere permanently. So, yes, this is this Daksha again. He didn't learn AC, curse Narimuni. So this time he had daughters, and the daughters all got married and had lots of children, so Daksha became angry, happy. Here's Aditi, mother of the demigods, having her ten sons, ten Adityas. And uh, now we go to Vrithrasura. Uh, he is a demon, uh, but he's, he was a devotee his previous life, but somehow he became a demon. So here Indra, Indra is worshipping Vishwarup, Gigatam, uh, not Nishinga Kavacha, Narayana Kavacha for protection. And then because he killed Vishwarupa, he was upset with him, then his brother Vitashura is born from sexual fire. He's meant to kill Indra, but instead of killing Indra, he becomes killed by Indra. But he, he prays beautiful devotional prayers. And uh, the lesson here is that devotional service is never lost. Even if you uh, did some, he did devotional service, we'll hear about his life as Chitraketu. He, his son uh, was killed, his only son, but this Anarada brought the son back to life and the son said, who, who is this? How, why, why do you say this is my mother and father? I had so many mothers and fathers. So then uh, Chichiketu worships, he gets darshan of the Lord, Sankarshan. Then he starts flying in his airplane and he makes a joke. I'll read uh, chapter 17. One day while flying in his airplane, Chichiketu comes upon Lord Shiva embracing Parvati in an assembly of siddhas, charnas, and sages. Seeing Lord Shiva in that situation, Chichiketu loudly laughs. Parvati becomes very angry at him and curses him. Thus Chichiketu is later born as the demon Ritra Sura. So that was the previous life of Ritra Sura. How could such a demon do such nice prayers to the Lord? Because he was a devotee, but he got cursed. So um, the lesson is devotional service can never be lost here. And any other lessons from this canto? Canto 6. Yes. Chanting the holy names can protect you. Chanting holy names will protect you from the Yamadutas. Yes, good. Any other lesson? Mm -hmm. um, you can stop people from going to hell by allowing them to chant. You can? Stop people from going to hell by allowing them to chant. Yeah, you can stop people from going to hell by chanting. Yeah, that was the answer to Parikshit's question at the beginning of Canto 6 How to Save the People. From going to the hellish planets. Tell them to chant Hare Krishna. Mm -hmm. The glorifications of a devotee, even as a demon of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, are very transcendentally beautiful. The glorification of devotee and Supreme Personality of Godhead are transcendental. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So we'll stop here. We'll do the next six cantos on Wednesday, the last six cantos. You have any questions um, on what we've done so far? And if you want to um, follow, it's all in this book here. It's uh, Bhagavatam at a glance. And you can see me afterwards if you want the book. So any, any questions on what we did today? Yes. 
What inspired you to make this? What inspired me to make this? Yeah, well, Burijan told me to know what's in every chapter of Bhagavatam. So I thought, well, how will I know? The best way is by seeing pictures. When you see a picture of something, then you remember it. A lot of us are very visual. When you're very visual. So by seeing the pictures, then you can remember what's in every canto. So I've done this like for the whole Bhagavatam, and then I've also started doing it for, I've done a picture for every verse. So I've got cantos one through 10 done already, like 14, 15 books. 10th canto, part three, and there will be five parts for 10th canto. So I've also done that. And Bhagavad Gita picture for every verse. So yeah, so it helps. Um, and I was, when I was chanting Japa, I was thinking, what's, what does the form of the Bhagavatam look like? And then I got this, that picture of Krishna. And that's, that's in the Shastras, it's in the Puranas, that the lotus feet, Krishna's lotus feet are first and second cantos. Krishna's legs are third and fourth, so it's all the way up to his smiling face. So then I saw that, mm -hmm. Can you describe the importance of starting with the first canto? The importance of starting with first canto. It seems like that's what we're doing here in this temple. Um, yes, um, because the first canto, everything's in the first canto, Prabhupada said. And everything's in the first chapter, and everything's in the first verse of first canto. So if you read the first canto, you'll get everything. You'll get everything. And Krishna comes there, Krishna disappears from there. You have the whole summary of the Bhagavatam, practically. Krishna appears, Krishna disappears, and he, he appears. Uh, you get, you get a, a glimpse of Krishna and his relationships with his devotees in different relationships, Arjuna in a friendly relationship, and uh, Kunti in a parental relationship. If, by their prayers, Bhishma is in a more of a servitor relationship, Dasya, and chivalrous. So you get an idea of the different relationships Krishna has with his devotees by studying the first and second. It's a preparation for, for going to the higher cantos. It's a, it's a good preparation. In canto two, is, it's more like um, a foundation. You get the four seed verses. They're also there in canto one. The first three verses of Bhagavatam are the same as the four seed verses. It's got the same things. And the in chapter 7 of Canto 1, there's a vision of Vyasadeva where he sees the Lord and Maya behind him and the living entities controlled and how they can get free by devotional service. So that comes in, in four seed verses in the second Canto. And the ten topics in the whole Bhagavatam is expanded from these four seed verses and the ten subject matters of Canto 2. So it's a very good preparation for you to go to the higher cantos. Then it, it, it's gradual. Then in canto four, you start hitting Vaishavapara, offenses to devotees. And then canto five and six, devotees start falling down. Bharat falls down, and Ajamila falls down. Indra falls down also. And how the Lord protects his fallen devotees. So even if we fall down, Krishna will protect us. Krishna will help us to get back. Okay, any other questions? 
Jai. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> Very beautifully put together. Oh, thank you. Prabhupada's mercy. Yes. What were you saying was the difference between the lower planets and hellish planets? Yeah, lower planets are heavenly. Uh, people in the who people in the lower planets don't suffer. Uh, they they live a life without any, practically no disease, no old age, uh, and but they die. That's the only problem, is they have to die. Another problem in the lower planets is there's no light there. It's underneath the earth, so there's no sun. Uh, so, but everything they have everything. Down there is heavenly. Bali Maharaj is there. That's the picture we saw. We saw the hellish planets. Is you only suffer. You, you're being tortured all the time. In the lower planets, you just enjoy. It's like, you know, normal life. It's normal life there. And yeah, and they have no fear. They, here in Earth, there's is a combination of suffering and enjoyment. Here where we are, there's a combination of heaven and hell, and in the middle, and we're in between. There's there's heavenly planets lower. There's heavenly planets, earthly heavenly planets, and there's heavenly planets in like heavenly heavenly planets, higher heavenly planets, middle heavenly planets, and lower heavenly planets. But only the Earth we suffer. And the hellish planets is only suffering, complete suffering. Any other questions? Mm-hmm. In response to that, uh-huh. um, I'm just curious. Isn't it the, like the whole, uh, like where the Nagas reside? Yeah, the Nagas, like yeah. Lowest? Yeah, the Nagas are lower planets. And so they're not suffering, like you said right now. They're, hmm? they're not like really suffering so No, much. they're not suffering, no. They're not suffering. They're at the bottom of the lower planets. And the light from the jewels on their head lights up the lower planets. Yeah, they're at the last three lower planets. The snakes are there. Anonymous. But they have mystic powers. They can bring um, themselves back to life after being killed. And that's why you have to cut up a snake or burn it. So they won't come back. If the, if the snake is whole, they can rejuvenate themselves. Stories in Mahabharata. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Can you? This is not about the sun planet. Is that about which planet? Oh, the sun planet's in the middle of the universe, but it's considered a higher planet. It's a heavenly planet, yes. So is it true that Shiva Prabhupada said on the sun planet there is no past or future, everything is just present? Mm, that's what I heard for Goloka. I haven't heard that for the sun planet. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I haven't, I have, so I can't say if it's true. Yeah, it's light. Oh yeah, right, there's no night. So I guess you could say there's no day and night. So that yeah, it would be interesting to live there because it's always day. There's, yeah, that, that would make sense in that sense that there's no day and night. There's no season, 
I don't know if there's seasons or not, but certainly there's no day and there's no night. It's only day. And so then that yeah that that would make sense, but I haven't heard it, so I can't say it's true. <laughs> but I have heard Goloka is like that. Goloka is only present. Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, I've never heard about life on the sun planet. But yeah, yeah, that, that would, but that would make sense. In, yeah, but there is a time, like, like the, he he has a um, orbit, and it takes a whole year to make that orbit. So time is still there, even in the sun planet. Somehow there is time. Their existence of time is there. There is. But it's a, always just. In the present. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't say yes because I haven't heard it. But it does make sense, is what I'm saying. It does make sense because there's no night. So how could there be? But yeah. There is actually, there is time there because there's 12 months of the year. If you read in, in 12th Canto, uh, there is time on the sun planet. Every month there's different demigods that take care of the chariot and sing and dance for him. And there's a different um, sun god for each month of the year. There's different. So there is time in that sense that there are months. And they follow that time. So there has to be some kind of past and present if they follow the months of the year, the sun follows and there's the different people take the position in the sun at those times. Other, there may not be night, it's always day. Yeah, interesting question. <laughs> I never thought of it. Yeah. Okay, any other questions? Yes? Partly this question may not be related to this topic. So I heard the book of Genesis is plagiarized from Brahma Samhita and Bhagavad Srimad Bhagavad. Is that true? I have not heard that also, <laughs> that Genesis is taken from. But, but one thing we know is that um, if you go back in time, then the, the Vedas are the oldest. The Vedas, the Gita, these are the oldest scriptures of the world. So everything is coming from the Vedas. Um, but we cannot say specifically that, you know, this is coming from that. You can see, you can see that in the Bible, the Noah's Ark, there we, here we have in Bhagavatam, much before that was Satyavrat Muni and, and the devastation and the Ark, the boat came and saved all the people of the earth. So, I mean, there are similarities there. There are similarities. But um, time-wise, the, the, the Vedas are original. Okay. Jai, all glories to Shri Come back on Wednesday for the end of the seminar. Thank you. Hare Krishna.